Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And this is going to be a good episode. We have an email from a guy in Montana. He's actually written me a couple emails. Might try to combine a couple of these. In a, I don't know if I'll get to all of his questions in this, but I'm going to try to combine most of the questions. He's thrown a litany of questions at me here. So again, I try to keep these podcasts fairly concise, you know, 17 to 25 minutes, usually closer to the 17 minute range. So that if you're like driving home on the way from work or going to take your kid to school, you can listen to an entire episode. I'm not one of those people who bloviates for two hours. I think I'd be hoarse. I don't even know how people do that, quite honestly. So anyways, we're going to talk about selling stocks to buy stocks, among other questions that's also being asked. And for the name I'm giving this guy, I'm going to call him Bunyan. As in Paul Bunyan. Now, legend has it he was from Maine. Some will say he's from Minnesota, from Michigan. This guy asked me to give him a Montana name. Heck, I don't know what state that starts with an M Paul Bunyan came from, so I'm just going to say Montana. He was so big that he had buttons made out of wagon wheels, legend would have it. So, I'm going to answer Bunyan's email, and it sounds more fun to call him Bunyan. So, it says, hello again, Ryan. I am just following up to let you know that I decided to start at the beginning of your podcast episodes, and now I'm caught up. Listening to your previous podcast helped answer all of my questions in the previous email, so no need to repeat those. I do have additional questions. First one, why not get out of trades at the end of the trading day to avoid aftermarket, pre-market volatility? Why do you track every single trade you make in a separate spreadsheet? Doesn't the trading platform already do this for you automatically? What are you analyzing in your spreadsheet other than prices in and out? The next question is, is if you're currently 100% allocated and come across a stock that was setting up for what you thought was going to be a big move, would you close out a winning position just to get the capital to put down on this new potential trade? Thanks, Ryan. Your podcast has been extremely helpful. Sincerely, Bunyan. So Bunyan throws a number of questions at me, so I'm going to get a good bourbon tonight to record this podcast with. This one's going to be Weller. A lot of you guys have probably heard that. It's a highly sought after one. It wasn't always that way, but Weller Special Reserve, and it's hard to find. It's very hard to find down here. You got a lot of people that sit at the ABC liquor stores and the Total Wines, and they get them as soon as they come in through that door. And it's not just unique to Florida. It's all over the place. But anyways, I was able to get my hands on a bottle, and it's pretty good. It's a good pour. I mean, everybody that has it seems to like it. If it wasn't so freaking expensive, I'd drink this stuff regularly. It is really good. Now, it's got a strong kick to it, especially for a 45%. I feel like that the kick it has to it, it would be something associated with like 100 proof 50% alcohol, but it's not. It's It's got a nice kick to it, but it's like simultaneously sweet and got a kick to it. It's weird to explain, but I really do like it a lot. And I really like the warmth that the bourbon has to it. It's got a little bit of a sweetness, like you can taste some vanilla tones to it, maybe a little bit even a caramel flavor, but it's the heat that it kind of hits you with at the end that's just really nice. I mean, I just really like this stuff. On a scale of 0 to 10, I'm giving it an 8.9. It's just a really, really solid bourbon. 
what kills me about this stuff, it used to be like a cheap, cheap bourbon. But now, I mean, everybody wants this stuff, and now people are paying triple digits for this freaking bottle of, of good bourbon, which I think is kind of overkill, but it does come from the Buffalo Trace distillery, so a lot of people love that stuff. I like Buffalo Trace, too. It's good. So the first question that Bunyan asks, he says, why not get out of trades at the end of the trading session to avoid aftermarket and pre-market volatility? Good question. I'm a swing trader, first of all. So in order to be a swing trader, you have to hold overnight. Day trading requires that you buy it after the market open and you sell the position or you close out the position before the market closes. The swing trader, that's not the case. The other thing I would say about holding overnight is most of your gains, of course, too, you also have losses that come with it or potential losses, but most of your moves are going to happen after hours. And I said that in the previous podcast as well, that so much of a stock's movement is based off of things that happen when the market's not even open. That's why you have gaps higher and lower. Like for instance, and I don't recommend holding through earnings, but if you held a stock through earnings, you're going to get a big move after hours. And, And granted, he understands that. And so he's wondering, why do you even bother with it? Well, there are certain events and you can't eliminate all of the risks by holding overnight, but you can eliminate a large majority of them by not holding a stock through earnings, not holding a biotech stock through an FDA decision. If there's some major headline risk or there's been a lot of negative news, for instance, like Boeing. It's been a long time since I've traded Boeing. I feel like every time I trade Boeing, something cataclysmic happens and I'm stuck in that trade. So I don't want to be in it. In fact, for a long time, it was on my do not trade list. And I still am a little bit iffy about trading the stock because there was so much headline risk associated with it. I just didn't want anything to do with it. His next question, he asks, why do you track every trade you make in a separate spreadsheet? Doesn't the trading platform already do this for you automatically? What are you analyzing in your spreadsheet other than the prices in and out? And that's true. So on my website, shareplanner.com, I actually list all my trades that I've made. I think you can go all the way back to like 2011 and see trades that I've put out there for the trading block. And I put those out there for one so that people can you know, see what kind of stuff is being traded in the trading block and, and how those trades are being managed. The other thing is that I really don't care about tracking my trading activity throughout the course of the year. I used to, but I also find too that it's important to align yourself with what the market cares about. The market doesn't care about my returns on the year. It doesn't. Now, do I? Yeah, of course I do. But that can also get into the way of making good trades over the course of the trading year. Because if the NASDAQ starts rallying really hard or the S&P 500 starts rallying really hard and you find yourself trailing the returns of either of those indices, you might find yourself trying to push trades more harder than you should. Maybe you're trying to get more out of a trade than what you should be doing. Or maybe you're getting into trades that are more volatile than what you should be getting into, hoping to close that gap. Oftentimes, if you just do consistent and steady trading, yes, there's going to be times where the market outperforms you, but there's also going to be times where you outperform the market as well. In the end, I feel like it works to my favor by not really being caught up in, okay, yesterday I was up 5% on the year. Today, I'm up 5.1%. Tomorrow, I check it, I'm up 5.3%. Oh, the next day, I'm down to 4.9% on the year. That kind of like yo-yoing effect and moving around can really get to you just as much as it is when I talk about dollar watching, watching how many dollars are up and down on the day. You start to personalize that. I think the same thing goes for watching your overall returns on the year. You have a trade that you lose on and you drop you know, from being up 6% of the year to being only up 5% on the year, and then you get into that next trade and now you're only up five and a half percent on the year that kind of stuff starts to weigh on you you start to panic a little bit you get a little bit more i don't really care about that kind of stuff i'll look at it at the end of the year but i'm not really looking at it during the course of the year because for me i understand my trading methods and i understand why i trade and how i trade and it's really the same kind of trading i've been doing for years and years i've refined it over the years i've found little adjustments and tweaks that i can do to it but overall i just want to make good trades 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where I'm at at the end of the year, I'll figure that out at the end of the year. But for now, I just want to be focused on each individual trade, making good trade setups, making good entries, making good exits, taking profits when necessary. If I start getting caught up in all the uh, extracurricular stuff that the market does not care about, I put myself at risk for starting to inject emotions and feelings and strategies that has nothing to do with what the market's trying to tell me right now. So that answers Bunyan's second question. Now he asks, If you were currently 100% allocated, and this is the main gist of it all, if you were currently allocated 100% and came across a stock that was setting up for what you thought was going to be a big move, would you close out of a winning position just to get the capital to put down on this new potential? I usually don't run into that too much, to be honest. Very rarely am I ever 100% allocated. Now, there has been times when I'm 100% allocated, but usually I'm kind of going with the ebbs and flows of the market, and usually the market doesn't give me enough opportunity to get 100% long because... At some point, if the market keeps going higher, yes, I'll still be adding new positions, but I'm also taking profits along the way where it's necessary and letting a portion of it just run wild. So I'm always taking profits along the way. For instance, if I have three positions in my portfolio and they all go up and I take a third off of each one of them, now each one of them have two thirds of a position left, but I now just created enough capital for a full position by taking a third and three positions. If you're not keeping up with the math of it, don't worry. Basically, I just sold enough stock between three positions to create a whole new position. So then I can do that. If that stock goes up, then maybe I'm taking you know half off the table and then I've got enough capital to add a half to trade if I really wanted to. I don't usually do that. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I did it. But in any ways, you, you are freeing up capital if you wanted to trade. And by the way, let me tell you about swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You guys got to check this out because... So much of those trades that I talk to you guys about, they all come from the watch list that I have on swingtrainthestockmarket.com. I provide my master watch lists twice a week. So for the bullish and the bearish stocks that I'm following, and then I provide daily setups off of the watch list that are showing you the eight to nine stocks that I'm looking at possibly trading each and every day. On top of that, you're going to get the most interesting charts of the day, and you're going to get updates on all the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Microsoft, Tesla, and the S&P 500 updates multiple times each week, along with the NASDAQ 100 and the Russell 2000. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now, back to what Bunyan has to say about selling a stock in order to buy a stock. If I was to do that because I was 100% allocated and there was no reason for me to sell any of the stocks, I would have to ask myself, what's the stock that I have the least amount of confidence in going forward? What chart is the least favorable going forward? Once I've identified that in my portfolio, then I have to ask myself, is this chart better than the trade setup that I'm looking to get into? If it's not, then I'm not going to sell it. If it's better than it, then yeah, why wouldn't you? But I'd also tell Bunyan here, don't get caught up in the big move. I will say this, the stocks that have big moves for me, I usually don't expect it. I had a recent one of late, Bank of America. It just kept going higher and higher and higher. I wasn't really expecting that big of a move out of Bank of America, but I got it and it was kind of cool. But that wasn't really one that I was expecting a big move out of. And oftentimes, the ones that you get the big move out of, that's not the ones that you're expecting it from. And the ones that you want this big move or you think that you're getting into a really big play, those usually are the ones that disappoint. So I wouldn't go into a stock thinking, oh, this is going to be a big move. 
because I think that's more focusing on the profit potential of a stock rather than focus on managing the risk of it. And I may be splitting hairs here. You may be setting it up with a stop loss and everything, and that's great. But I'm also wanting you to think about stocks from a different mindset too, not to look at it from how much money can I make on the trade, but what do I need to do to protect myself on the trade? Because I always say this, and this is why I bring up this point, manage the risk, keep the losses small. And if you do those two things, the profits will take care of themselves. Making profits in the stock market or picking a good stock, that's not the magic formula. The magic formula is managing the risk and keeping the losses small because when you do have those winning trades, you'll be able to enjoy the lion's share of those gains by managing the risk on your losing trades. Most people let the losing trades wipe out their profits. And that's what I'm always trying to keep you guys from doing. And by talking about that in every episode and mentioning that I talk about it in every episode, it's going to resonate with you and you're going to start thinking about that solely. So maybe I'm being a little bit picky to Bunyan here about a big move, but nonetheless, those kinds of words signal to me that people are still getting into the trades for what they think they can make off of the trade instead of focusing primarily on the risk at hand. So that's going to do it for this podcast episode. If you have any questions, feel free. Send them to me, Ryan at shareplanner.com. Encourage you to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. That supports this podcast. And what also supports this podcast is giving me a five-star review on your platform of choice or at least subscribing to it, okay? If you subscribe, leave a five-star review. All those things are like podcast gold in my world, okay? And it helps me continue to expand the reach and provide you with excellent content. Again, guys, keep sending me your questions. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Mm-hmm.